Welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Wyman. And you know how some businesses really struggle to get their market as excited about their products and services as they are? That is something that I help with. And that's something that I want to help with this podcast is try and get more people really excited about the incredible innovations and the incredible things that are going on in the world today. Now, I'm really excited to bring you this interview with Rick Rowan, who is going to talk about his journey into setting up a tech business. He comes from a background in real estate, but he used his personal experiences with pain management to form a tech startup and get that out into the market. So this is a really interesting interview and let's get started. Hi, Rick, and welcome to this episode of the Curiosity Key podcast. I'm absolutely thrilled for you to join me because I'm really looking forward to learning a lot more about what it is that you're doing and um, being able to share the amazing work that you, um, you're you working on. Welcome to the podcast. Do you want to uh, you know, introduce yourself and tell us a little sure. bit about um, how you've ended up doing what you're doing? Thank you. Really pleased to be here. Thank you. So I am the CEO of a company called Neurocore, which is a UK biomedical startup. We operate in the area of bioelectronic medicine, which for most people don't know what that is. But um, bioelectrical medicine or bioelectrical therapy is being used since the ancient Romans, Egyptians, when they were using electric fish for treating pain. <laughs> um, it, for everything from pain relief to headaches, uh, we through the through the ages we've used it for for many things even psychological impacts if you might recall you know some of the electrotherapy that happened um in the 19th century uh it is an area of fascinating interest because our bodies are we are completely electrical as a matter of fact if anything happens to you the first thing that that um, medical professionals will monitor is your electricals your vitals so having a, a impact or being able to um, use bioelectrical medicine for things like pain relief or things like muscle spasm for treating inflammation, just a, a range of physio- physiological issues as well as the area of neuroscience, which is, again, I keep using the word fascinating and incredible because that for me encompasses the industry at large as well as its ability to help so many, you know, on a, on a large scale, it's accessible for most. Um, and what was it that got you into this, this field of uh, biomedical science? So it's, it, it's probably a little bit of an uninteresting story. It's somewhat by accident. Uh, I had actually suffered from back pain, I recall as early as the age of sort of 10, uh, where I had my first back pain incident and went to the to the doctors with that so I suffered through that uh, teens weren't so bad but then into my 20s and 30s uh, it really started to strike me hard and was impacting my life dramatically um, to the point where you know when I started to have children having to think about things like putting your shoes on or, or picking up your child because of back pain or sometimes being laid out for three to four days at a time unable to move it was completely debilitating uh, I used to take a cocktail of painkillers as as many people do when they're in pain because you do become somewhat desperate uh through a career of around 15 years of real estate at the end of that career i was looking for a new opportunity i happened to stumble across generic type bioelectrical devices similar to tens machine 
I started to look into the science. I started to play with it. It helped my back. It helped uh, other family members with their problems. I started to look into the science and understood that there actually was no science for the most part. Uh, so all of these devices or this, this technology was so capable of doing things, but it was not in a it wasn't applied in a scientific or medical way. And the, the lack of knowledge from medical professionals to even those who were purported professionals in the area, um, I just saw that there was a huge opportunity to, to do good with something that had a, you know, the ability to impact many. I think, uh, I mean, my experience of back pain wasn't long-term um, in any shape or form. I was, I was hit by a car many years ago, wow, uh, yeah. but that stopped me rowing. It stopped me doing mm-hmm. the things that I love doing and yes. made me pretty much like like ruined my life because I didn't really know what I was doing yeah. um, and it was only until that point that I was like right okay I can see the light at the end of the tunnel with the physio that I was doing and mm-hmm. you know starting to move and do other things but for a lot of people it's so debilitating and it does it you know ruin lives it, it, it does it has a <clears throat> pain is a it, it's a global epidemic that has such an impact on quality of life and it's something that we don't really talk about a lot. You know, some often people that are in pain, they're not outwardly saying, I'm in pain. Uh, they're simply not themselves or uh, they start to become uh, depressed because they're in, in this constant um, ang- feeling of anxiety around not being physically capable or having that you know, in- intensity of pain. It's really hard to explain because we don't have a good memory for pain. So you recall, you know, the position that you were in and how it impacted you, but trying to remember the actual pain, uh, it's, it, we don't have a very good memory for it. Yeah, you remember the psychological impacts rather than the actual physical pain. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, it affects so many from, from young. I mean, my daughter, who's now 10, but she started with growing pains from the age of about six. And that was sort of early days for me. But um, she still used to use the device, my early devices, for. Uh, growing pains so you know instead of popping pills or taking paracetamol ibuprofen she would use the device fall asleep and I just simply take the pads off and that was that Uh, it obviously changed changed my life I wouldn't say that I'm cured but certainly my issues are resolved I haven't had a a serious back incident for a long time well I can't remember actually so uh, it's had a, a positive impact for me as well as you know the thousands I've personally experienced as well as you know plenty of close friends and family so the um the devices that you're um producing do they solve the pain or do they look into sort of solving the actual problem that's causing that pain good question it depending on the individual uh different technologies have the ability to have different outcomes so we use three bioelectrical technologies or three main ones the main ones are peripheral nerve stimulation so peripheral nerve stimulation at its most basic level, has the ability to interrupt the pain pathway uh, to close the pain gateway to the brain, so uh, like a painkiller. Now, there's, there's many, many other health and physiological benefits, but that, that's, that's the main one. Then we've got neuromuscular. Neuromuscular has the ability to uh, relieve muscle pain at lower frequencies, so it's like having a, a physical massage of the tissue, and it can help for many things, including um, inflammation, as well as reducing uh, sarcopenia, which is uh, the muscle wastage, particularly in the ageing uh, for diseases like diabetes, where people are in, have diabetic neuropathy, they're in pain, they've got lower limb circulation issues. We can physically help with that stimulation of circulation. So that's some of those. 
Then we use a third technology, which is called microcurrent, which works at a millionth of an amper, which is at cellular current level. Uh, it has a myriad of, of benefits from mitochondrial cell health through to pain reduction, through to inflammation reduction, through to wound healing. So the active repair of tissue. It, I'll use that word again. Fascinating and incredible. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I think I, I yeah. love I love it when people overuse words, things like that, um, <laughs> because it just means that you're passionate. Again, another another overused yeah. word um, about what it is that you're doing. Um, so yeah, go go for it. <laughs> More than happy. I use the word amazing all the time because I'm like, oh, it's so it's, it's so interesting. It's amazing, yeah. uh, and people are like, oh, really? Is it interesting? I was like, yes, mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> um, but you were. Um, I think in one of your videos that I was um, I was looking at, you talk about that not everything is the same. And that was something yeah. that really resonated with me because I talk um, to a lot of my clients, I talk to a lot mm-hmm. of people that, you know, everybody generalizes so much and, yeah. and puts a lot of things into one small box. Mm-hmm. And um, your video I thought was very powerful because it was talking about that not everything is the same. So, mm-hmm. and, and you talked about that just then. Do you want to yes. talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Aside from each individual type of therapy or, or um, technology having a different outcome or having sometimes they have overlapping outcomes, but they affect things differently. Also, the individual frequencies. So what we do is we formulate these technologies. As an example, uh, a certain frequency with a certain pulse width, without getting too technical, will elicit a certain outcome for one person. And it may or may not work for the next person because their body needs a different frequency or a different pulse width or could be the same issue. The same person could need something later on the day or in a few minutes' time depending on what their body needs. So whenever studies are done, they're quite often done around singular frequencies and thus there's such this wide and varying scale of efficacy, you know, whether it worked or it didn't. Because simply they just tried one frequency for one application uh, at a particular period of time. So we look at the studies and look at what frequencies, for instance, are successful for a particular thing, such as back pain. And then we use known combinations or successful combinations of particular frequencies that we know may be effective. Now, that's in very simple terms, but we formulate these frequencies into treatments. So if somebody says, well, I've tried bioelectrical therapy and it didn't work, or I've tried TENS or whatever it might be that they think that they've tried, it's a bit like saying, um, you know, an antibiotic and saying, well, you know, have you tried a pill? Um, well, that's a good question, but what was in the pill? Similarly, with bioelectrical medicine, it's, you know, what, what was in the formulation that you tried and what did you try for? What was the application used? So bioelectrical therapy tends to get grouped into one thing, um, often called TENS, which is a, you know, even the medical industry misuses this term. TENS just simply stands for transcutaneous, so through the skin, electrical nerve stimulation. It could be implantable. It could be spinal cord stimulation. Uh, they, you know, uh, Drugs are either oral, injectable, transdermal, uh, but we don't just call them, call them drugs. We don't call them transdermals. We call them by what they actually are. And biological mm-hmm. medicine is no different, but it is misunderstood in that, in that regard. People think, well, yeah, I've tried one of those for 20 pounds that I bought from eBay or, or something and it didn't work. Well, yeah, possibly it didn't uh, because you don't know actually what it was. It's a bit like buying pills on eBay um, and saying, well, it didn't work for, for what I was trying it for, but you don't know what it was. 
I think it's a huge challenge in every single industry that, you know, people have a bad experience with one thing and then they think that everything else is going to be the same or um, people try to generalize too much to attract a broader market, but then actually just ends up blending into the background and not standing out for the things that they're absolutely amazing at. Yeah, this is true and it's a big challenge for us. Yeah, well, I used to sell laser scanning technology and it was the same there. Like everybody sold laser scanning technology Mm. and it's like, okay, cool. Well, you you wouldn't class a a unit that had a 4,000 meter range in Mm. the same way that you would class a unit that had a 40 meter range. You know, they're both completely different, but the the technology is the same, but they're both very different and the application is different. But yeah, it it always amazed me, especially when you go to events and everybody's talking about what they do and the products in the exact same way. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, here's your opportunity to stand out. (laughs) Um, And that's definitely what I've really enjoyed about looking at what you're doing, that you're very specific. Um, And I think, you know, that is definitely going to contribute to your your success with this. Um, but I did. I could talk to you about the technology for ages because that's mm. something that I'm uh, really interested in. However, mm. I'm quite interested uh, for you to tell your story about how you went from uh, real estate, a career in real estate, to mm. uh, a tech startup, especially a biotech startup. So the, it was purely by accident uh, in the initial stages. I did co-found a domestic company in Australia. I took that company to global position, but... You know, the vision between the, the two founders or, or shareholders was was just not a match. It was a misalignment. So that, in a lot of ways, although disappointing, presented the opportunity for, for Neurocore, for Neurocore to be everything that I envisaged that biological medicine could be and developing not just the technology but developing the industry as a whole because, I, you know, there's no clear leader. There's nobody leading at the front here by way of development or by way of education and awareness. Uh, particularly in the medical industry itself. And there's nobody continuing to develop the technology aside from, um, you know, some of the big players such as um, GSK, you know, have backed a company called Galvani, which is um, funded through Google Life Sciences or Verily Life Sciences. You know, they're, they're in the in the billions of US dollars. <laughs> we, you know, we're not at that scale, but they're also looking for implantable technology where we are focusing on non-implantables. So from that point on, um, real estate was a wonderful grounding. I got to, you know, it was really a good place for me for, for 15 odd years. I can't say a bad word about it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. But it was just time to, to move on. I'd sort of achieved everything I wanted to achieve there. And um, the fact that this technology was able to help me, other family members, and have such impact on my life, I wanted to be able to. It, it just sort of, it was just became clear to me almost overnight that this um, this is really what you know. I really want to take part in in making change with this method. And do you have any advice based on your own experience for anybody listening that's in a career but has a desire to start? A- but to, to get a tech startup up and going with no prior technical experience. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I didn't have technical experience in the area, but like anything, I suppose, if you're dedicated to it, uh, you, you learn it. I mean, over the, the period of years that uh, I've been involved in this space, it's been a very, very sharp learning curve. But I think if you, if you are dedicated, if you believe in it, I mean, if I didn't believe in it and my heart wasn't it, but certainly the challenges that arise from day to day, I'm not sure you, you know, you continue with it. But 
uh, you know, without using too many cliches, I think when you do something that you love or that you believe in or that you're passionate about, that all of those obstacles sort of fade away as to the to the the real reason. That's the why that you do it. I mean, for, for me, it's the impact in lives. I mean, it's almost a little bit egotistical in a way because you get such um, such reward personally for seeing the outcomes and you know changing of lives and the positive impact it has with people that you, it almost becomes like a drug <laughs> we, we're the opposite of but um you know it, it's it's just this this you know feel good that you are doing good and i think it doesn't necessarily have to be about changing lives it can just be about having impact having positive impact mm-hmm. and if that's what drives you then uh, you know i think that that's what drives you past the challenges Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, I definitely, one of the reasons that I set up my own business was because I, I felt that I could create a much bigger impact, um, both you know locally and globally, uh, mm-hmm. by setting up my own business and by being an employee or working my way up that way. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, for me, it is all about that impact. Um, you know, not doing quite you know the amazing stuff that you're doing, but you know, in a well, everybody does their way. own amazing stuff. You know, in, <laughs> in their, their own their own areas. Um, yeah but yeah I think it is yeah it's all about that impact and as you said hit the nail on the head it's all about your why and Mm. that as well is what your your customers and you know your people in your network will resonate with as well you know they'll want to support you if your why is aligned with their why or their values yes true um yeah absolutely um so have you um from starting this business have you got any kind of uh, lessons learned that you'd like to share um with our listeners anything that you know if you could do do it over again anything that you would do differently i would def- definitely listen to my inner self the gut feeling particularly with regards to not so much even just network but those who you are associating with um you know particularly businesses like a marriage so from from early days experience, that's that's one area. Two, you know, you can be as organised. You you need to not compare yourself to to what others are. You know, same as in your personal life, comparing yourself to what others are posting on social media and and marketing and so on. I mean, for the most part, it's all marketing. So just to worry about your own improvements rather than comparing your business or, or your achievements to to others, but just look at what you're achieving and what you're able to do and then before you know it when you look behind you think wow look where I've come I mean every day I I think about you know what we want where we want to be then I have to sort of have a reality check and think about where we've come in 11 months from you know a zero start more or less to a a team of of six in the UK and another four internationally distribution in five countries uh, we've got you know three products uh, that we've developed already with another six in the pipeline for the next 12 months. Uh, you know, it's, again, using that word incredible, if I think about it in that respect, it is incredible. But at the same time, when you start looking around and you know, think, oh, I've, got, I've got to go faster, I've got to do more, I've got to be more, you need to sort of look inwards and focus on where you are rather than where you are by comparison. Oh, absolutely. I always talk to people about um, that you've got to run your own race because there's always going to be people doing, you know, doing things in a slightly yeah. different way, getting there yeah. faster from one thing. Um, yeah. And you can get really distracted and it can really mm-hmm. affect your mental health if you care too much about what other people are doing. Yeah. I mean, you need to have situational awareness. You need to, you know, be aware of 
of your marketplace and competitors and so on, but they're not the focus. The focus should be on what you're achieving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's, well, I that's wrote, about um, the biggest it, advice I have anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I wrote um, an article because it was the boat race um, in yes. London last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, being, because uh, I used to row, I used to coach a rowing crew, um, mm-hmm. and I've rowed that course myself. Um, it, it got me thinking about the similarities between rowing something like the boat race and in business. I wrote an article mm-hmm. about that because, you know, you can tell when you watch the boat race, some years, there are people in the crew that are so focused on what the other boat is doing, what the other people are doing, which is completely counterproductive. And you can end up losing races, you can end up Mm -hmm. losing businesses and, you know, think and clients as well, if you care too much about what other people are doing. Correct. Absolutely. For sure. Um, So what, um, in terms, you know, you're, you're in your first 11 months, what's in store for the future? Kind of where do you want to take this? We are current, we're at the moment we are uh, capital raising because we've gotten to a point now where we've been able to achieve what we have under our own steam. But for us to accelerate what we're doing, then uh, at least to accelerate to the point where we can activate all of our uh, other projects. So projects that we're looking at at the moment are women's health. So in particular, there's a, a lot of when I say opportunity, I mean there's a lot of opportunities to, to do good as well as the neurological side of things. So biological therapy uh, has proven science in the area of um, neurological response, such as assisting things like post-stress disorder, depression, anxiety. So that's another area of focus for us, as well as, of course, there's the traditional markets, such as sports therapy. I mean, the Russians have been using biological stimulation since the, in the Olympics since the 60s. Uh, there wouldn't be a professional football or, or performance team, I would say, on the globe that's not hasn't used biological therapy somewhere. It's just that powerful. Mm. Uh, so commercial markets, yeah, they're, they're huge, but certainly areas of interest for us are things like arthritis, multiple sclerosis, diabetes, neurological health, and in particular um, women's health, things like period pain and, and endometriosis. And if you, for, for anybody listening to this that wants to find out more about, uh, you know, uh, biomedical science and, and what it is that you're working on, do you have any resources for people that you would recommend to learn a little bit more about the technology? Yes, the, the sources are uh, huge. I mean, if you, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you Google anything like um, peripheral nerve stimulation, uh, or neuromuscular stimulation, you'll get something in the vicinity of, you know, 10, 10 to 20,000 articles. Uh, new new research is happening daily. Uh, there is absolutely thousands of um, peer-reviewed studies. I mean, we, we collating and collecting them all the time ourselves. Uh, aside from your usual traditional areas, there are a number of authorities in the area. Uh, one local UK uh, authority who's written a few books on the subject is uh, Dr. Tim Watson. There are uh, microcurrent being still quite an emerging authority. There's a, uh, emerging technology. There are a, a few uh, books or online resources available, but that's a, a, a growing area, one that we are ourselves uh, studying ourselves right at the moment. But is it if like you were to recommend the kind of like one trusted go-to resource, could you <laughs> could you recommend one? <laughs> <laughs> right at the moment, I would have to say no, actually. Not, not a single source. Uh, for the same reasons we earlier discussed about the, the, the way that the studies are done, Yeah, 
is a lot of that information. Of course, you can. I mean, they're, they're you know PubMed or, or any of the other online um, reviews review sources. Are obviously, a good place to start. Um, or Google. But uh, the, the most of the studies, in my eyes, and including our you know our team, our scientific team, is that the studies are flawed simply by the way that they're applied because they're applying uh, the same mechanisms that you would say for any other type of single molecule uh, intervention, such as a pharmaceutical uh, or a single-use medical device, biological mm-hmm. medicine. It's a bit like saying, is there a study around pharmaceuticals? Um, yeah, but which area and for which application? So I guess the key thing here is to be super specific when you're searching. So don't just search for biomedical science um, mm-hmm. or a bioelectrical therapy. Be very mm-hmm. specific as to what sort of therapy you're looking for and what outcome. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always search for the outcome. I'm always saying that to people. It's just like focus <laughs> on the outcome because that's what you want at the end of the day. That's that's yeah. the goal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just like we've got a, a little bit of time um, as because you're in your, your first 11 months, you're, you know, you're a, you're a startup, it's got lots of priorities, lots of things to work on. From a uh, marketing point of view, is there anything that you've done um, since starting that's been particularly successful that you could uh, recommend or sort of share to, to people that are listening? I think one of the most powerful things and also one of the most challenging is we've already had, uh, can I use that word again? Incredible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll swap it to amazing. We've had some incredibly amazing results uh, so far with uh, patient outcomes or, or customer outcomes to the point, uh, you know, things like a, a lady who had an accident, she had a non-healing wound on her leg that she was able to wound. So if that wound had been open for nearly 12 months and they tried everything and it's not uncommon, but she was able to resolve that using, you know, our consumer device in around about um, two months' time. So three months completely healed. And she, again, uh, things like uh, rib pain and her fibromyalgia, she was unable to sleep. I mean, she wrote me a really emotional email uh, the other day. But getting that into or getting your, your users or your customers to share their experiences is very powerful but also very challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people are averse to um, being in the limelight, so to speak. So I think. From a marketing perspective, that's been some of the most successful for us, um, trying to have a sort of authenticity in, in your marketing message and your voice. These are the things that have worked well for us that we haven't perfected, to be completely honest. Um, we could be doing a better job than we already are, but it is still quite early days. Yeah, it's, it's getting past, past the, the, um, the fear of, the communication, I think, is probably one of the biggest challenges for us. That's interesting. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? So what? tell me a bit more about the fear because you're not alone at all in thinking no. that. Um, so what? I think a lot of, you know, the old uh, imposter syndrome always pops in, I think, from many entrepreneurs. You know, they, they've, they've gone into an area because they feel that they either have a strength or a passion for it. And I think what you have to keep in mind is, again, it comes back to comparing all around you, you see you know, these massive companies, these massive successes, individuals who seem to be killing it. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you, you know, sometimes you, you feel that your message or, or your voice is, um, you know, either insignificant or inadequate. But the thing is that your story 
as, as in your own and my own, are, are individual stories. And they're stories in their own right. They don't need to be comparable. Mm. So, um, aside from also, you know, fear of public speaking, fear of video cameras and all of this sort of thing. But I think overall, the, the biggest thing is that, you know, your, your message doesn't have value, but it does because it's going to res- resonate with your own audience if it's truly your message. Oh, 100%. Uh, and again, it's, it's something that I, I always like, you know, get on my little soapbox and preach around is that you can't please everybody. You know, no. there are always going to be people that don't I, like you. Um, you know, you might have the perfect solution for them, but if there's just something that's not resonating with them or that's not res- resonating with you, it's never going to work. No. And you could spend all of your energy trying to please that one person or that one group of people. Yeah. And then miss out on all of the people that genuinely want to work with you or genuinely sort of resonate with what it is that you're doing. True. Um, yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for um, coming on to this podcast. It's been really fascinating to learn more about what it is that you're doing. And I really do wish you all all of the success for the future. I thank definitely you. believe that you will, uh, you know, impact a lot of people's lives in a very, very positive way. Um, so if anybody wants to keep in touch with you or find out more, how would they do that? Probably our main website, which is neurocore.com. That, uh, that, that website is our best contact base. Uh, yeah. Or of course, um, they can get in touch directly. Brilliant. And I will include um, the links in the show notes as well. So if anybody's listening remotely, if you want to catch up, you can just head over to my website, which is charliewyman.com forward slash podcast, and all of the links will be on there. So thank you so much, Rick. I've really appreciated speaking to you today. And yeah, hope you have a wonderful day. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Charlie. Okay. (laughs) Ciao for now. Bye. When you're working on exciting projects in tech or trying to change the world, it's hard to focus on marketing and it might not seem like a big priority for you right now. Talking about what you're working on and the driving force behind why you're doing it will help you raise your profile in your industry and keep your audience up to date and interested. My goal for this podcast is to share the amazing things that businesses and individuals are working on that will shape the world of tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform and share it with the others that you think would benefit. If you liked it loads, then feel free to leave me a review. All the show notes and any links mentioned in today's episode will be available on my website. That's charliewyman.com forward slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye.